Speaks Radio. Today we're going to actually be doing a video interview with two fantastic uh, companies uh, that are opening up some new memory care called the Beehive Model. And we're really going to talk about how they're going to differentiate care um, here, especially in Minnesota, which happens to be, you know, my, my home. And uh, I'm really excited about having this conversation. But before that, I just want to thank our audience for listening and sharing all of our, all of the videos and audios that we do here on Alzheimer Speaks. You have really raised our profile and helped a lot of people find information about resources, products, and tools that are available all around the world that you can tap into. And I, I find that really exciting because my mom herself had dementia for 30 years, and that was life-changing for me as a daughter, and that is why I'm doing what I'm doing now. So with no further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest today, and we will, we will talk about this new kind of intimate uh, care model, and I think you're going to find it really fascinating. First, I want to introduce you to Joe and Iwana Childs. Um, they have spent much of their careers in senior care. Uh, Iwana actually started as a dietary aide in assisted living communities in high school and then went to college for healthcare administration and eventually became a licensed nursing home administrator. She worked for a large nonprofit senior organization where she met her husband, Joe, who has been involved in senior wellness uh, since earning his health and exercise science degree. And a few years later, Iwana transferred to a home health agency. When the first Beehive Homes opened up here in Minnesota, Iwana visited the community and she was amazed at the refreshing and personalized setting. Joe and Iwana both agreed they wanted to start their own franchise and be part of this new spin on senior care. So they have Beehive Homes of Maple Grove and um, seniors can enjoy life and improve their health no matter what their age. And I can't wait to hear more about that. So thank you, Joe and Iwana, for being with us. Thank you, thank Lori. You. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I've known your name and uh, the great work that you do in um, Alzheimer and senior care advocacy for years, having worked in senior housing for um Gosh, since the early 2000s. So um, it's an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for having us. Well, thanks for being part of the show and taking the time and um, spreading this new concept. I'm really excited to hear about it. Next, uh, we are going to talk with Jim Hung and Jin Fang, and both have engineering backgrounds. Um, but both are very passionate about senior care. Jin received his education on dementia care and senior care in a general format in uh, Normandale Community College and then online certificate programs as well. Growing up with grandparents around him all the time and seeing how family members provided intimate care until the end of life has really shaped both of their philosophies on how to care for aging loved ones. So I want to welcome Jin um, Jing to the show. How are you today? Hi, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you want to invite us to be on the show and it's uh, such an honor to be on your program. Um, to be honest, it's my first time to listen to your program, but since I've listened to a couple of them and they're really, really helpful, informative, and we're really glad to join this show today. Well, great. Thank you. It's, it's going to be fun. And I, I think... Um, I think really informative as well. So I'm going to start with uh, with Jin on this first question and just ask, um, have you been touched formally by family or friends with dementia? And then Jing, if you could answer after after Jin, that would be great. 
Sure, yeah. Um, as you mentioned, we both have an engineering background. Really, like we started, you know, uh, looking into assisted living and memory care is because uh, my grandma, because uh, she, uh, about three, four years ago, she, you know, she was in her uh, 80s. Uh, I grown up with her uh, until I went to college. So I spent like 20 years time with her, uh, which I have a very strong bonding with her. But when I, you know, uh, when I left her and, you know, um, uh, after I come to the college, uh, she kind of started, you know, getting the, uh, the aging problems, not necessarily the dementia or memory loss at the beginning, but later on, she, you know, she developed some symptom. Uh, during the whole process, I was away from her. Uh, I was very, um, I was very, you know, uh, I guess my will is to take care of her, but because of my own life with study, with work, I couldn't really do that part. So that really triggers me to start looking together with Jin around here and see if we can find a facility that can take her. Um, we, you know, like we toured so many facilities, bigger ones, then we uh, came across Beehive, uh, which impressed a lot impressed us a lot because uh it's a small setting and the intimate relationship you know you can you can feel there the moment you step into the home you feel that like make me feel that's a place i really want my grandma to be in uh that was a that was quite a process you know eventually we found beehive in the process my grandma was taken care of by the other family members that's another thing it's like you know a my other family members doesn't really have any experience with memory loss, so they they want to take good care of her, but you know she still got a couple falls because the things family members were not aware of, so she couldn't really wait it long enough until we figure out a solution, which you know was uh very very unfortunate from my end like I feel i you know i I could take better care of her. But I didn't, so that's one of the strongest wish I have. It's like I want to continue. Uh, I want to continue my my wish to other senior peoples here in the community, you know, to provide quality cares to other families, so people you know can trust the home they're putting their parents, their grandparents in, and feel happy about it. Instead of you know, in my own situation, you know, I didn't have the chance. I wish. So that's, yeah, that's how, you know, that's how we get into this uh, uh, assisted living memory care uh, field. That's because, yeah, the, the, the family members we, you know, we want to take care of. Great. And then, Jin, did you have a, a family member as well? I have uh, my grandma, but no, you know, she, she's in the Alzheimer, or, but she's, um, she's, um, she passed away last year. But then I was with her um, six months before she passed away. At the time, she's already, you know, kind of um, had a, a lot of memory loss. I mean, she wasn't diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It's kind of uh, the condition. But then um, uh, six months before she passed away, she couldn't talk, couldn't recognize people. And it's kind of, but then what I, I was kind of um, happy to see is that all my family members, my parents and, you know, brothers, sisters, they all, are, they all took great care of her. And I, I just felt so lucky that uh, she could have, have all these uh, family members around her along the whole journey. And this is something that kind of moved me a lot. And I think I want to bring a similar kind of philosophy concept to the community as well. Wonderful. Thank you. Joe, how about you? Um, do you have any family members or close friends that have dementia? Yes. I um, watched my grandma um, developed uh, dementia and progressed through that disease as well when I was a uh, in my older teenage years um, and just she helped raise us as well as with us most every day of the week. Um, so watching her go through those changes um, and experiencing that um, closely um, helped kind of shape where I took my career. Anyone, how about you? I, I as well was, um, had experienced a family member who was affected by dementia. I grew up in Romania and while I was a young child there, my great aunt, had dementia and her, I, we were a very close knit family. We we're a very small family and we were very close knit. So, um, I grew up watching my uncle take care of her at home the best that he could, um, with very limited resources because this was in a different country where, um, there aren't as many options for care and support as we have here. Um, and then I, 
started uh, working in this uh, on this career path and um, just saw what a great um, support network we have available, but that there were options that could yet still be improved on. So now Jay had um, kind of told us how how they came about wanting to get into this field of memory care. What was your trigger point that said, you know, we can, Joe, we can do this. Um, we, we, you know, we always um, had dreams of being entrepreneurs as a couple. So we had um, kind of explored a number of thoughts and ideas and both of us working in senior housing, we were so invigorated and excited to not only learn about Beehive and the care model and the support model that they offer, but also the business model itself. It being a franchise was very encouraging for me to say, um, we can do this with the support and um, help from a franchise and a network of other business owners that are like-minded. Um, that, that's really what, um, what, as soon as I stepped foot into the Beehive, like Jing mentioned, not only could I feel the love and um, the quality of care that they offer, but uh, once I heard the word franchise, I literally went home that evening and I told Joe, we're opening a Beehive. And he said, I don't know anything about bees. What are you talking about? <laughs> but now here we are. Wonderful. And then, um, Jen, I want to ask you, you know, because you two both have engineering backgrounds. Did, were you worried at all about how the heck are we going to do this? What do we know about healthcare? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, we're kind of very similar to Ivana's situations. Like, you know, we we have this, you know, uh, uh, it's it's like our dream. We want to do something in the senior living uh, industry, taking care, you know, of the seniors. Then we don't have the, you know, uh, the senior living background before. Uh, then we literally were searching online, uh, senior living franchise. <laughs> yeah, then, then Beehive pop up as the first item. And then, you know, it's it's not like, a, you know, like a overnight we decided. We, we did get in touch with Beehive, talked to multiple owners with, you know, from Beehive in different states. Uh, they were, you know, their feedback were very positive. And, you know, the people from the corporate further ensured us, like, you know, we will get the support, uh, the experience, uh, everything we need to start successfully in this industry. That's like, that's why, you know, that's how we decided to go to go with Beehive. Uh, and also there are local Beehives we toured around. And, you know, so we know we have some, you know, uh, peers in Minnesota. We will not be alone. And then we have Ivana going together with us. <laughs> so we feel very happy about, you know, joining the Beehive families and be part of the culture. Um, Jin, did you want to add something? Yeah, I guess I just want chiming here is that, um, so this is not like, you know, a year's work to me or to us. It's really like three years before, like we started looking to the senior care because, you know, both of Jin and me, we're, um, we're a single child and our culture, it just requires kind of, we, we, we would like to take care of parents, grandparents, and that's the culture. And we want to do something really aligned with our vision. Like, so that's kind of senior care industry. And we spent time looking to, um, the healthcare part, the housing part, kind of a lot of learning. And then it's kind of comes behind. So when Jin told me there's a behind franchise, Oh, really? So we actually, we, we, we went to a Beehive conference. So they have this annual conference, bringing all the owners together, sharing experience, information. So then we, we both have engineering, engineering background. Are there any people similar? We're just amazed about how diverse background people have to be a Beehive owner. There's owners um, who are corporate officers, financial officers. There's owner who flies a um, commercial airline, who's an airline pilot there are also uh, owners who um you know who does just it industry completely different things and they can all be very successful so one common thing among us i guess is really we are all passionate about senior care and i think that's that one motivation really carries a long way yeah i would agree it, it really with passion you can do you can accomplish absolutely anything that your your heart desires and and i can see and i can feel that from all four of you that you know, you really just felt this alignment and you, you've been personally touched, you know what it's like, and, and you want to take good care of people. And that, you know, that's half the battle right there. 
um, in terms of dipping your toe in the water and, and moving forward. So I congratulate all four of you for, for taking that, that risk, that big step to try to improve the world and, and make it better. Joe and, and Iwana, I want to ask you, what specifically attracted you? What was, what was some, some of the differentiating factors you saw with Beehive? I think, Laurie, the biggest uh, factor for me and for, for us together was um, the sheer size, the fact that it is a small uh, home-like environment and it's designed specifically for taking care of people who are affected by cognitive impairment. So whether it's not Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. So the specialty care and the size of it um, really are fostering that environment of loving care um, and really prime for providing the personalized high touch environment that, that Beehive stands for. Um, and the other piece of it is having met the owners of Beehive, the, the couple who started uh, Beehive back in the mid eighties um, and learning about their passion for senior care, quality senior care and their heart for what they do and um, kind of trickling that down to the rest of the owners um, that are part of Beehive, that's really what set, set us on this path. And as Jin and Jing mentioned, this, isn't, um, this didn't happen overnight for us either. We started the, on this journey about five years ago. Um, I think it was in 2014 when the first Beehive opened. And so we've been, we've been traveling down this path for five years and we're very excited to get close to making it a reality and um, start start um, impacting those lives of families and seniors in a positive, in a big positive way. So if you can tell our audience if you're open or when you're going to be open, um, Iwana? We are in Maple Grove. We're currently under construction and we at this time anticipate opening towards the later part of August potentially early September. Uh, there are so many moving factors, so many moving parts with new construction we're learning <laughs> that um, are out of our control. So that we're, at this point, we're looking late August, early September in Maple Grove. Okay, and I, I totally respect and understand those moving parts because I sold real estate and did a lot of new construction for 25 years and all the rain we're having here can really throw things for a loop in and of itself along with many many other factors. Jin and, and Jake, can you tell me if there were specific things that, that just kind of lit your fire when you saw the beehive model that you thought this is really different, this is something we really want to elevate and, and emulate? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, this part, I mean, uh, this echoes with what Ivana mentioned is, you know, first of all, the smaller size right away, you know, it's one floor, uh, there's no multiple floors, there's no elevator involved. And, you know, uh, the staff can just, you know, we, as we, you know, watch how, how their staff interact with the residents when they step into a beehive home, we notice it right away, you know, the staff can just get to anywhere of the building really quick. Uh, you don't really need to, you know, have a complicated pager system to find where the problem is and uh, find out where you have to go, what's the best route. You just know what's happening, you know, every, in, in every place of the building, which is very insuring to us because we feel it's just like home. You always got the attention. Well, the second thing is, you know, uh, kind of the homey feeling of the whole building makes people, like, at least makes us feel really relaxed. And this is, you know, somewhere you can, you know, you, you, you can feel like home. It's not like a it doesn't feel like you walked into a lobby, then there will be hallways, go to different rooms like a hotel. When you step in, it's the living room, it's the dining room, just like a just like a giant house, like your own home. Yeah. And on the third part, you know, uh we can we can we can see, you know, uh this is a small home, yet they do have a care team, uh, you know, consists of multiple, you know, very professional staff, and we can tell the, the care the care staff to a residence ratio will be higher you know you only have like 20 some residents but you still have like multiple uh, uh house aid and the nurses you know always there 
So that's that's uh, right away a few things I'm you know I was looking for and I noticed. Jen, anything you want to add there? Um, I guess everyone saying the thing I want to say. It's the small size. It's all about our residents, and because beehive homes are small, it can be. Um, the model is designed to you know integrate people's personality, background, experience. So into how we care for them, what do we prepare for their dinner? What do we like organize activity to do during the day? And especially for people with memory loss, a homey family-like looking environment can really help them to you know navigate themselves and just to mitigate a lot of you know behavior issues. And we have high care staff to resident ratio, which helps to build you you know those personal relationships. So we get to know our residents better, which you know helps a lot to to provide very personalized care. Wonderful, thank you, um, Iwana. I'm going to go back to to you and Joe. Um, when we're talking about size being smaller and and. Jin and Jing had mentioned about 20. Are you going to be the same size and are you using the same footprint that they are? And then what kind of um, ratio are you looking at for staffing? Have you devised that yet? Or is that part of the, the franchise model? We are in size wise, Lori will be the same as Jin and Jing's home in Lakeville. So we also have 20 suites there uh, in our home. We have a few of our suites that are a little bit larger so they can accommodate uh, double occupancy, like a couple if needed, or potentially two, um, a roommate, if somebody would prefer that companionship from somebody who's not related to them. Um, so about the same, and we have the same floor plan. Generally speaking with some minor tweaks, we have relatively about the same floor plan. So. Um, it's a floor plan that Beehive has kind of worked on and, and um, developed over the years that seems to be the most conducive to the focused specialized care that we provide um, through its design elements and um, the environment that kind of encourages purposeful wandering so that people are active physically and can um, walk around the community but yet still be safe and not feel like they're coming to a dead hallway, you know, dead end in a hallway. So um, some of those elements were really thought out and um, represented in our floor plans now in Maple Grove and in Lakeville. Um, in terms of our staffing model, we're still developing that. And, um, you know, with, with this level of care, it sometimes depends a little bit on each individual's level of care or, you know, um, cumulatively what the level of care will be in our home at any given time. But as Jin and Jing both referenced, um, the beehive model itself is to make sure that we have proper staffing, not just to deliver on that high touch expectation, but also to um, really take good care of our care teams as well. I, you know, my personal belief is that if we um, take good care of our staff, they will in turn take good care of our residents. So we want to make sure that um, our staffing ratios are adequate so that we can prevent burnout and in turn be able to optimize the conditions where our caregivers will provide the highest level of quality uh, when they're working with, our, with the residents living in our home. Um, because I think one of the biggest things for Beehive is that um, we are a family home where we provide, we develop a culture and an atmosphere that feels like family, where residents are comfortable, their families are comfortable coming to grandma's house and visiting. Mm -hmm. um, and we do that, I think, not focusing a lot on our quality of care, but also focusing on the whole person, you know, beyond the physical care, really putting a lot of attention to the details that go beyond um, the healthcare piece, making sure, like Jin said, um, that we have home cooked meals that are appealing and delicious because nutritious, nutrition is very important. And we structure our social programs so that they cater to both people who are introverted and like more of the one on one experience or small group experience, but also the larger group activities um, for those who are more extroverted and like to participate socially. 
Um, but also think little details like making sure that we have social programs later into the evening after mealtime so that um, we can stimulate residents later on into the day and they can sleep better at night. Um, that's, there's a lot of research that talks about the importance of good rest at night. And um, we know that with dementia, sometimes that can be challenging. So trying to look at different ways to promote those healthy habits um, beyond just the healthcare piece, more integrated into their daily life. Wonderful, thank you. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask was when it comes to social programs, does the Beehive model allow the residents to you know, partake in helping make the meals or you know, some of those home chore things to, to, to create that home-like atmosphere. Is that, is that part of it? I'm going to throw that to, um, to Jing and Jen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cause, because we're small, you know, we're more flexible in doing things. Um, residents can be invited to the kitchen to prepare, you know, pastries, uh, making meals. That's kind of actually part of the activities. You know, it's more about, you know, if people with memory loss, they especially need a purpose for for their life, something they can participate, something they can show their value. And this is something we want to focus on to have activities involved more with our residents so they can live in the moment, have a purpose for life, and that carries a long way for mental health in my um, viewpoint. Jing, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, Jin touched on that is, yes, we, yeah, we have more flexibility in the activities and what residents can do together with, uh, with our care staff because of, uh, because of the size. And we are really excited to see that's going to happen very soon here. Wonderful. I, I think it's exciting. And I think those smaller environments really are very conducive for people and help reduce some um, reactions or behaviors that might occur in in larger um, communities just because of noise factors or overstimulation or just the the unknowns um, so I I, I, grew, I actually worked in um, small group homes for like nine years with the developmentally disabled when uh, initially in Minnesota we had large ones and then converged um, into um, getting rid of the big ones and going to smaller ones and it was phenomenal the difference in people in terms of what what happened. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about too was you're, you're very focused on um, the resident and it sounds like you're very welcoming to the families. That's something that you want to incorporate. Are you going to be doing any support for the families? Because it's a, it's a struggle and it's a difficult moment to place anybody. Even if they agree to go, it's still something family members still really struggle with um, heavily. And I'm going to go up to um, Iwana for this one first. Absolutely. I think um, family education and an outlet for support is extremely important. Um, we're, we're here to, to help support not just the senior with, with uh, dementia, but also their family as much as we possibly can through resources and educational opportunities and um, ideally a support group as well if we have interest from our families to participate in something like that. Um, we're very fortunate in Maple Grove. We are actually located near, um, right next door to a church that already has a lot of um, involvement. In fact, they have an annual event that they put on in the fall um, that, that revolves around dementia and Alzheimer's. And so we'll get involved in some of that education and invite the community, the general community, not just our residents' families, but the general community in um, to get involved and, and be able to, to be a part of that event as well. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Jen, anything you want to add uh, from your side? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, the family community engagement um, is one of the bigger things that I was going to say that that's kind of big thing, my kind of our to-do list or our focus, because it's very important to improve or promote that memory loss, memory care awareness um, into over the communities. And um, so one of the Alzheimer's Association, they asked whether they could host a local event in our building down the road. That's wonderful. I told them because this is, um, a great place that we can, you know, practice our experience, uh, show how we care for people, and then promote um, the memory loss, memory friendly 
uh, dementia-friendly community, how it should be looks like. And also our location is really nice. It's right in the heart of Lakeville and it's next to a library, also next to a, a heritage center where we could potentially, um, in our vision, to have a lot of activities down the road to collaborate with local um, agencies, community resource that can help bring that um, awareness up. Great. Um, one of the things I, I work uh, with a dementia friendly group in Roseville and our library started uh, memory uh, minder kits. And those are starting to grow in Minnesota and actually around the nation where um, and that might be something to bring to their attention where they put together packets that have an interactive piece for the person with dementia of an educational piece for care partners, a music piece, and then some other type of uh, either a game or puzzle or drawing or, you know, whatever um, that they can do together. And those, uh, we started with, um, I think, one for uh, early, mid, and late stages. Then they did packets for FTD and Lewy body. And now they're, now they're working on one for children to understand dementia and they're putting in children's books. So that might be something of interest um, if your library hasn't done that yet, um, just to be an added resource there. Now, okay. I, I wanted to also ask you too about your, your care team and you know, what type of people are you looking for and what type of, of model of care are you using? I know a lot, um, a lot of communities are going to a universal care model where everybody's a jack of all trades. And then others are, no, you're, you do this task, you know, you do this. What type of model are you guys going to use? And um, Jing, do you want to answer that? Yeah, so uh, about our care team, we, uh, right now we have our uh, director of nursing and a housing director on board already. Uh, in between these two positions, we have uh, 40 plus 40 years experience from assisted living slash memory care industry. Both of them are veterans of this industry. And what's in common uh, for, for, for our two directors are, you know, they were both in the bigger facilities and their philosophy uh, is more aligned with, you know, uh, the smaller settings and higher, uh, higher quality care. So that's why they were, you know, looking for something, you know, like that and found us. Uh, and also our model, you know, our model um, or our philosophy um, basically telling us we need to hire people who are very hands-on. This is a small home. Uh, this is not a bigger facility or corporate. Uh, we need, even they're both directors, uh, they are still like, you know, involved in all the daily activities and everything. They're hands-on, they're interacting with the residents and the families. That's the type of person or leaders we are looking for. And then if they carry the same philosophy, they will hire the same care staff down the road. Uh, that's like how we see, you know, how we're going to build our care team and also make sure down the road we have everyone in our team share the same philosophy and can deliver the level of the, you know, the level of quality of care we are looking for. Um, yeah. Anything to add, Jim? Yeah, I guess I just want to add uh, one example that that's the one of the chef I met in the uh, Claire home, sister home there down in Wisconsin. And I just love this lady. So kind of go back to what Laurie you're saying about kind of universal model. So this lady, she's a chef, but then she's uh, kind of, she's the centerpiece of the home because this, um, you know, the kitchen is always the center of the home, right? And she would just go out and communicate with um, talking to the residents, cooking some very interesting dishes, um, um, maybe also organize some activities. She's just very outgoing, not just focus on what's on the grill, what's on the pan, what's on the pot. She's kind of off the place, and that's kind of person, care staff we want to hire, you know, and that gives you a family-style, family-like feeling because when you live in your home, your family does everything, right? They, they wash laundry. They, they know you in every possible way, and that's kind of we're trying to bring that concept up to the home. Wonderful. Now, are you two going to be um, active in the home, or are you having others manage? Okay, so I think we are. We're going to be involved um, on a daily basis. Maybe probably me on the side or, you know, Jean, we can discuss that later to be the, But, you know, what are we trying to see is really we want to ensure our vision, our philosophy to be delivered. And we're not going to interfere with nursing, healthcare, but because we have amazing staff, we have amazing leaders there. Um, what we want to focus is really on the 
big direction, the visions, how the home should be looks like. And that's we want to make sure that happens. And that's also very, I would say that we would be very ensuring um, to the residents family that, you know, we have a, um, a good leadership team and we will do whatever we can to achieve our goal. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Iwana and Joe, how about you two? Um, what type of roles are you looking at playing within your community? I will be the housing director, so I will be um, involved in the operations day-to-day and on-site every day. And then Joe will continue with his career at this point and ideally joining forces down the road a little bit. I don't know. I think we're going to need a maintenance guy. So, um <laughs> He's going to come in very handy. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll stay at my current job as executive director of a senior living community, and then I will um, duties as assigned. His, his background in exercise science will also come in very help, handy to uh, conduct some of our exercise classes. In the meantime, we do also have a director of nursing hired and uh, a second registered nurse, and then we'll continue with that hiring process as we get closer to opening. Um, we'll have our aides who will mainly focus on the caregiving piece, um, but we'll also have a culinary department and activities staff who will be somewhat dedicated to those. However, like Jin and Jing mentioned, um, to in order to foster that home-like environment, everybody has to pitch in and work as a family, work as a team, and um, be cross-trained, uh, you know, across the board just to support each other and um, to provide the best the best environment for everyone, not just our residents, but our care team as well. Uh, what I've seen success within hiring throughout the years is um, just hire for compassion and you can teach them the, t- the hard skills. So um, we've had a lot of success with that in the buildings I've worked in. Um, just hire people who have heart, who can tell good stories and want to connect with the residents. Um, and then just knowing your staff, your staff deeply to be able to um, carry out activities and life enrichment um, activities that actually line up with their strengths. So rather than requiring them to do something that's on the calendar, having them be creative and part of the process as well so that it's something that they're passionate about and want to do um, and it only increase their uh, participation and excitement about that as well. That sounds wonderful. When I go around the country um, and speak and train, that's one of the things that I hear is like, well, we're not allowed to get creative. We're not allowed to do this. And so I, I think fostering that creativity and that passion and letting letting staff have some ownership and and giving them permission to fail because sometimes it's not going to work out you know but but standing behind them and going thanks for trying what have you learned you know how can we how can we shape this differently i I think that that is a, a huge need um out in our out in our communities um in the workforce in general and as far as, as workforce, are, are you nervous about, because everyone is saying how short-staffed everything is, um, you know, all around the country, is that, is that something that you worry about? I'm going to throw that back to Iwana and Joel first. Um, what I've seen, it's, I think what really gets uh, organizations is turnover. So um, it really does come down, again, with a smaller environment, we'll be able to know our staff well know their specifics and hopefully know their, you know, what's going on at home as well. So we can support them through those. Of course, as the years uh, progress here, the total amount of people available will uh, be much smaller. But again, um, when we looked at some of the metrics of turnover throughout Beehive, um, they're actually far less than um, different organizations. So um, we know that again, like you want to mention, treat the employee well and they'll want to stay. And I think our, you know, our, when we talk about our family environment, it, it extends to our staff as well, not just our residents. We want to make sure that our resident, our, our staff feel like they're part of our Beehive family just as much as the residents are, um, because again, it just kind of trickles down from there. So uh, like Joe said, I think the history of Beehive shows low turnover um, because it is uh, it's just unique. It's different. It's a different uh, type of care model um, from both perspectives, from the perspective of the family and the resident, but also from the perspective of the of the care team as well. Great. Thank you. Um, Jen and Jing, anything you want to add to that? Yep, I can. I can add to that. Um, one thing that we noticed from our hiring for our, you know, DON and our housing director is that this industry is very people are easily to be burned out. 
And one thing that I've attended one of the hearing session for the um, planning commission in the city is that um, one of the bigger facility, like they have multi-story, multi four-story building, and their financial can only work if they have 90 residents or more, or 90 bedrooms. And that way they can afford kind of normal size of caring team and you know you need a facility guy. All this, but come down to residence is that one um, care provider needs to care for, you know, seven, eight, or nine, or more than 10 residents, which is really, I could imagine how their daily life looks like. Um, and uh, one of the nurses that we interviewed is that she's overseeing three or four buildings, each has like 50 people, you know, so it can be really easy to be burned out. And as just Joe and Iwana mentioned, one thing we like Beehive model is that, you know, the business model works. We have a smaller home, even though our overall, you know, our staff number wouldn't be as large as the group, the team size wouldn't be as large as big corporate, but then we also have a smaller size of residents, which come down to have a higher um, staff to residence ratio. And, and to the staff um, wise, a family looking like working environments, helping each other out. And they have manageable working loads, which is really helpful to us, I think, to advertise when we're hiring people, which um, I think come down to uh, come to the end, we should be able to hire very competent staff. Yeah, I mean, Jim mentioned like in our interview process, it's very interesting to learn, especially for uh, for nurses in this uh, industry. You know, they are nurses, they, you know, they always when people become a nurse, they have the heart, they have a big heart for the patients, everything. Um, it's really hard for them to see they couldn't deliver the uh, the level of the, uh, the the quality they desired to deliver to uh, to the residents. One specifically, one nurse mentioned to me, she because of the uh, burnout, she see like you know the fall numbers in their facility increases, and which gave her a really hard time, which triggers her to look for different settings. So we feel yes, I mean uh, it's very it's a very competitive job market right now. Um, but I believe with our model, uh, we are able to attract quality people to our home uh, because this aligns with their philosophy. And on top of that, Beehive Home is providing a pretty competitive package. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, one of the things that I did want to uh, to ask you guys was, you know, we hear this all the time, you know, my my parent or my loved one is starting to exhibit behaviors and they're getting kicked of their community now. How are you going to handle if there are aggressive behaviors or um, it, some of them might be sexual behaviors, those types of things? And Iwana, I'm going to throw that to you and Joe first. I think we, you know, we, we see some of that. And of course, Every situation is different. So again, with our with our small care model, we'll be able to keep, um, we'll be able to put different interventions in place uh, to be able to work with that. Um, but again, I think in, in those cases, especially with physical or sexual, there's definitely um, a case by case basis to find out. Okay, well, what's causing the behavior? Um, can we look at medications? Can we look at oversight? Um, you know, and then other um, getting the physicians involved as well. Um, and potentially um, psychologists, things like that. So looking at kind of taking a whole uh, look at every every piece of it to see what um, what interventions we could we could put in place prior to just simply kicking people out because obviously nobody wants. What I've heard from a lot of families is that once they move to a smaller setting, a lot of the the behaviors go away because it you know, could be noise related. It could, it, it's just easier to be able to see what the trigger points are in a smaller setting than a bigger setting. And you don't have as much staff turnover and communication is usually at a higher level, not always, but those things do make a, make a huge difference in terms of being able to, to care for somebody and to be able to kind of step back and go, okay, what, what kind of, what patterns are we seeing here? What, you know, what was that trigger point? Jin and Jing, did you guys have something you wanted to add to that? Uh, I totally agree. I mean, it's going to be a case-by-case -case scenario, but I think, you know, our overall um, uh, thought uh, for this topic, for this situation is uh, we, you know, we are, we are going to work together with the family and the standing behind them 
and basically, you know, wearing the same shoes. So no matter, you know, what is the situation, uh, we always want to communicate with the family what needs to be done, what are the best approaches, uh, whatever needs to be done. I think we will try to work together with the family instead of, you know, just kicking them out or give them like a 30-day notice and be done with it. Um, I mean, it's, you know, what we will do is going to be very different based on the scenarios. But that's going to be our overall approach. It's like we will we will be very, you know, uh, uh, open. And also we will be working closely together with the family to find the best approach to address the situation. Are you guys, um, and again, I'm going to continue with Jin and, and Jing. Are you guys going to do anything with like aromatherapy or different um, textiles and, and sensory things and, you know, kind of a, a holistic side compared to maybe medication as the first answer? Is that going to be incorporated? And then I'll bring that back up to you and, uh, and Joe, uh, Iwana. Um, one thing I think is really helpful in a senior care setting or, you know, dementia care is really the um, incorporate some of the holistic approach, palliative care. Um, you know, people with dementia, they, they develop memory loss, but a lot of sensory and some people can be more sensitive, you know. So all this holistic approach, uh, aromatherapy, um, maybe some also exercise, some mild exercise can really help to mitigate a lot of behavior issues or, you know, um, either mitigate or prevent them from happening. And we have, um, so this part of floor plan, we have a spa room. And what we'd like to do is really to invite um, service providers, come to our home, provide service. And, and this is, um, this is also, um, you know, I think this is an evidence-based approach to help people with memory care, memory loss issue. The other thing is really, it's very interesting because we, you know, we, we look into different things. And one thing that we look at is really the exercise. Um, so we talk to someone, know someone from um, the um, U of M uh, who's in the nursing department, nursing college, and who's specializing in dementia care, Alzheimer's disease. One thing she mentioned um, she's focused on really the exercise, spots, medicine can really help, um, you know, address a lot of behavior issues, prevent them from happening. And I've sent this to Ioana, kind of um, talked to Ioana. I share posts from Facebook. One thing I'm looking at is like Tai Chi or, you know, some type of yoga, which, you know, the mild, very um, balancing movement can really help to prevent fall and also um, helps people with memory loss issues. Yeah, the Tai Chi, I've seen some studies on that. Same with like yoga laughter. That's becoming bigger and bigger um, all around all around the world now. Iwana, did you want to add something? Just like Jin and Jing mentioned, we're definitely integrating some of those techniques, some of those uh, interventions in our, in our care model. In fact, our assistant director of nursing is uh, experienced in aromatherapy. She's certified in... She took a, uh, some education, extracurricular education, and became certified in aromatherapy specifically in working with people affected by dementia. So she's very excited about implementing a program in our home uh, around that and um, also exercise programs and looking outside the box to, like you said, get away as much as possible from the pharmaceutical approach. Um, but working with the care providers, we will have an in-home um, care, primary care team, a physician and uh, a physician assistant who will be coming to provide regular visits to our residents who choose to, um, to switch their primary care to them. So integrating them into the whole um, picture as well as the family and um, interdisciplinary approach for each person will be a big piece of it as well. But um, we're excited about, I'm excited about aromatherapy because I am a big proponent of essential oils and um, I believe in it personally. So we're going down that path for sure. I am a, a big believer in that as well. So I, I think that that's wonderful. Um, well, I wanted to ask you and, and Joe, what maybe some of your fondest memories in senior senior housing that you've had so far and what would you, what would you really like to replicate for, for your home? So uh, after I graduated college, my professor recommended that I take a look at a large senior living community. Um, I had my health and exercise degree, and I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to do for work. So 
I, I took his word for it and I started um, doing personal training with the residents um, and just those memories day in and day out, being able to have that one-on-one -on -one time for personal training um, with the residents at the time was just um, so impactful. Um, coming straight out of college and being able to um, learn about the residents of, you know, their independent living residents, assisted living, memory care, um, and still just being able to at least learn their stories or at least learn as much as I could about them. Um, and having that one-on-one -on -one time, it just created such a, a, a deep bond and connection that it, it just truly uh, just launched my career from there. And I've stuck with it ever since. How about you, Iwana? There are two, two residents that, uh, that are near and dear to my heart over the years that I've worked in senior housing. And um, one of them was actually one of the first first communities that I worked in. Uh, it was a brand new community that we were opening in Plymouth and um, this very spunky lady moved in. Um, she was among one of the first residents who moved in and she was just a, she was just a pleasure to be around because she just had <laughs> humongous passion and love for life and um, she had been an event planner uh, here locally. She was from Minneapolis and she had uh, had the opportunity in her career to work with a lot of high profile events and celebrities and um, she had the personality for it, let's just say. So I, we got to know her, we got to be quite close and we, as on being on a marketing team, I made sure that she was involved on the committee planning our grand opening and any um, <laughs> event that we had going on in our community. I wanted her to be a part of it because she had great ideas and it gave her purpose and meaning. But unfortunately, she had cancer, um, and it progressed quite rapidly after she moved in. So I think she ended up only living with us for about eight or nine months, unfortunately. Um, but I will always remember her <laughs> and her name and her life story and going on that journey with her um, once she started hospice care and being there in the room with her when she took her last breath. My other lady was also just Joyce, who I'll always carry in my heart as well. She, um, <laughs> she was a resident who was full of life and passion as well in her own way and came and visited me every day and um, was there for us when uh, shortly after we got married and as we had our first child together because we had... We actually worked together in the same community at that time, so we both we we knew she knew both of us, and um, many of us just embraced us. I mean, really, just being a couple in that community was uh, quite fun because they always wanted to know how's the pregnancy, how's the baby, how you know they were highly involved in our lives, and it was like having you know a hundred plus grandmas and grandpas around. It was amazing. So, um, I I'd say both of our lives have been enriched by. Um, working in this field. Mm -hmm. Well, you can hear the compassion and, uh, and I, I totally get that. And I think that that is one of the things that, that not only the residents will appreciate, but the families, because you can't hide that. And it is just such a, a phenomenal thing when you know the people who are caring for, for your loved one, get them, like them, accept them, love them. And are there for them because it's a it's a scary thing to be able to place somebody and, and to feel like you can you can trust and know that they're going to be safe know that they want to get a smile on their face just as much as you do and when they're having a bad day there's going to be someone to go hold their hand or give them a hug or whatever it is that they need at that time is is so critically important and It'll be exciting to see how, how both of you blossom with this. Now, um, Jing and, and Jen, I want to ask you, what are some moments that you would like to create? How do you want people to feel? What is, what is that going to look like? Can you explain that or put that in words? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to uh, answer your question exactly here, but I would like to share one of the lightning moments in my life. Uh, related with Alzheimer, it was like the moment was about how I first realized what or learned how it is, what, what it is, uh, memory loss. It was, it was gonna, it was gonna be on the funny side because <laughs> the way I learned about Alzheimer was actually from a TV show. It's called Grace Anatomy. <laughs> 
if you watch that show, you will know uh, Grace's mother has Alzheimer, which I did not. I completely has no idea what it is before. But then when I watched the TV show, I saw how Grace's mother was, you know, acting in the scene, like in the home, in the uh, in the care home. Uh, I I I realized it's like a lighting in my mind, like oh, this is a disease. This is this is not something just this is not just someone getting old and getting forgetful about things. This is no, this is not that. And uh, I realized that's exactly what's happening with my grandma. I was, you know, I was so shocked. And then I, that, that triggers me to start digging into like, what is Alzheimer? What can do? And later in that TV show, Grace's mother actually, they kind of woke up. So she remembered all of a sudden, which gave me a lot of hope. Like even people had this situation, there's still a chance they can wake up, maybe not completely, but you know, for a short period of time, which will be very precious for the family. And also the symptom can be, can be you know, uh, treated to a certain extent if you have proper approach. So that, that was my you know, moment of, you know, about Alzheimer, like all of a sudden it kind of like, you know, just totally a new thing to me and related with my grandma, like became a, such an important thing later on in my life. And, you know, as for the moments we want to cre- create, uh, a lot of those, you know, comes from our own background, our own experience will be like creating moments for people uh, to know about Alzheimer, to know about memory loss, just like how I learn about it. I hope I can uh, provide opportunities to the family members, even, you know, like, even they're not our residents family, they're, you know, even they're just the communities, create the moments for people to realize what is Alzheimer, uh, what this can happen to their life, and how this can be, you know, uh, how this can be improved, and how, you know, how people can help their family members and other peoples. So that's really the moments I'm, you know, looking forward to create for, for the community for, you know, for my future home. Great, thank you. Jim, anything you want to add? Um, I guess I just want to mention our vision. So this is kind of come a long way, like how, how I should word our vision. Um, but it is um, love and care for our aged loved ones, just as our own parents. Because we grew up with our grandpa, grandma. I know how, how intimate it can be to, you know, grown up with, with the loved ones, grandma, grandpa, and to see their agent and kind of along the whole journey with them. And to me, I'll be really, really grateful to be accepted into a kind of family, like know their family, know their loved ones, and care of them just like, just like they're one of their family members. And this is, this is exactly the same thing that I want, to, I want to achieve the goal in this Beehive Home Lakeville. And a lot of things I was hearing Jill and Ioana mentioning all those experience. And this is exactly why we want to go into this business want to spend so much effort and time to have this home built to, you know, to have those experiences and help people along their last moments of their life. Wonderful. Well, thank you um, all for joining me today. This has been just a, a fun conversation and I'm really looking forward to, to being able to come through and, and tour both of your homes um, when, when you open. So please keep me, keep me posted. I think one of the other things that I am feeling from you, but I guess I just didn't hear the words in terms of communicating and educating families was really also about getting them to feel comfortable with the disease. And that involves helping remove stigmas and then also being able to teach them and show them that there can be great gifts wrapped in this disease that can really enhance all of their lives. And uh, to me, I, like I said, my mom had the disease for 30 years and uh, her disease truly, I say to this day and probably will the rest of my life was the biggest gift I'll ever get. So with that, I'm gonna have each of you just give your contact information. Let's see, why don't we go ahead and start with Joe and Iwana. Our phone number is um, 763-415. 3900 and our website is dot com. so beehivemaplegrove.com and 763-415-3900 is our phone number and they can also find you on facebook is that correct absolutely thank you for that reminder we do have a facebook page and uh, we already have a few loyal followers so please um Check, check out our page and uh, you can keep an eye on updates on construction progress and opening dates there. 
Wonderful, thank you. And Jin and Jing, do you want to give us your contact information as well? Sure. Uh, our phone number is 952-679-2076. And like Maple Grove, we have a website, beehivelakeville.com. Um, a Facebook page as well. So um, both of your buildings are under construction. Are you both going to be doing some hard hat tours as it gets closer? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Our goal would be to definitely provide those hard hat tours uh, as permitted by the city. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you again, all of you so much. Please check out Beehive in, in your area. If you're not in Minnesota, there are other beehives around the country, but if you're in Minnesota, check out Beehive Maple Grove and Beehive of Lakeville and um, let us know what you think. I, I can't wait to go see them. Thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you, Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the way showers who will help your journey a lot easier.